The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. Ryan, have you been working out? Uh, you know, a little bit here there, a little bit here there. I guess I already used uh, that line on Barry. Barry just said, no, he's been eating. See, and I've been, yes, Clayton, I've been working out like a madman. <laughs> yeah. And then I and then I went through different workouts, uh-huh. and he did a jazzercise. That's like 80s, yeah, 70s, I was, yeah, or I was, 80s. I was, I was around, then, it was 80s. And uh, Tai Bo. Yep, and he goes, he goes, I'm not up to date on the recent workouts. And I said, <laughs> I don't think you know what I'm talking about here, Barry. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Well, thank you it's, uh, for, for the introduction and, and asking me if I've been working out. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you seem to have Just, been yourself. It's got something, your, something. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm working out my belly. <laughs> um, it's, it's been a while. It feels like I'm, I'm glad to be uh, participating in another podcast with you today. Yeah. And really, let me just jump in a bit here. And and so as as part of the annual meeting planning committee, which you know I'm on because I'm yeah. on it with, with you, um, uh-huh. <laughs> we've been working a lot on our 25th anniversary annual meeting. Um, it's coming up. It is. I, it's, in fact, we're taking a trip uh, out tomorrow to, to right. do some work on that. Um, and in that, we've discussed really if, if there was one thing that we could just perfect, um, what would have the most dramatic effect on our operations yeah. and what, what, what would that be if we could? Um, and it seems like unanimously the discussion has has led us to a true and full understanding really of the cluster model and and everything that it entails. Yeah. Um, so we, we really want to do a series of podcasts really digging into what it means to live the cluster model. So maybe start off by explaining you know why you wanted this to be the focus. I was reading in a book and I honestly right now can't remember what book it was that I read, but it just made the sim I think it, actually I think it was um, uh, atomic habits, but I'm but I'm honestly not sure. Uh, and it says the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. I mean, it's just a common saying, right? Lone wolf dies, the pack survives. And there's a lot of videos. If you're listening to this and you're interested, go go Google um, Battle at Kruger. Uh, it's a you know water buffaloes and lions and how the the pack you know allows people to survive. Okay. Go Google turtles save their own. If you've seen this video of like a turtle flipped over in the water and how they all band together to to flip it back over and there's so That's many cool. different examples in the wild of how alone we die, but as a cluster we survive. Okay. Uh, the cluster water model works in nature. That's a great example, right? right there. Yeah. And and I, you know, there's one that I I shared at the Ubuntu annual meeting, and I, I want to share it here because I, I think it's an interesting one. That the New York Times did a piece a while back on a mangrove forest that ran along the uh, you know the uh, jungle in Southeast Asia. And an American biologist from Washington State, his name was Professor Hugh Smith. This was this was back in 1935, so I was like 15, right? <laughs> and he's on a boat going down the river okay. at night. And Smith looked up at one of the mangrove trees, and suddenly the entire canopy just started glowing. And then immediately it all went dark. 
And he said, it just, he's like, did I really see that? Then the entire tree glowed again, and then it went entirely dark again twice in three seconds. Then all of the trees along the riverbank suddenly glowed in unison, and every tree on the river would flash and go dark at exactly the same time. Okay. Like he felt like he was being punked, right? Like, or somebody's, you know, <laughs> right. plugging in. As you kind of picture uh, Christmas vacation, Chevy Chase, and you know, the, plugging in <laughs> right. his, his exactly. house lights. And he came. He came to realize this. This Professor Smith that the trees were covered with bioluminescent lightning bugs, and they were all illuminating at the exact same time. So he goes home and he mm-hmm. writes this up in his journal. And he was super excited about this discovery made. And biologists said, no, 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 that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and in fact, some called him a liar. The, the questions they would ask, mm-hmm. why would male fireflies all glow in unison? That would only decrease their chances of distinguishing themselves to potential mates. So that's the question the biologists yeah, yeah. had, right? Mathematicians said, how could order come from chaos without a leader to direct it? Mm. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't just happen, happen where right. they all and entomologists asked how millions of fireflies could even see enough other fireflies to create the exact same pattern. They said that that mm-hmm. I get that's almost biologically right, but this is the study of bugs. They're saying they couldn't even see to know, given their limited visibility in the forest. So essentially, it seemed physically, mathematically, and biologically impossible. Hmm. Modern science has since answered these questions and and pointed out that this professor's not crazy. Thank goodness, because if you ended the story there, it was going to be very unsatisfying. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. No, researchers found out that when lightning bugs light up at random times, the likelihood, so this is just now statisticians, Mm -hmm. the likelihood of a female responding to a male in the deep, dark mangrove forest is 3%. (laughs) But when lightning bugs light up together, the likelihood of females responding goes up to 82%. So the success rate is increased by 79% when flashing as a community rather than as as individuals. That's really interesting. Totally different than all the assumptions. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you think, no, I've got to stand out. And we've been taught this through through constant competition in our lives, that it's it's better to be the only bright light in the forest than than in a forest of bright lights, right? We, you know, what what percentage class did you graduate in? I teased my brother because he graduated from Harvard. Uh And I said, it's interesting how 80% of Harvard graduates graduate in the top 10% of their class, right? (laughs) I I don't know how that works somehow. But that's, it's what we like to share because we, 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 tell each other how we are in comparison to others. We want our child to be the smartest kid in Mm -hmm. school, the most popular kid, the fastest kid on the team. My kid was an honor roll student. (laughs) And, and, you know, your sticker is going to say, my kid beat up your honor roll student, right? We're groomed to compete our entire lives. Mm -hmm. And we're taught that that's the only way we stand out is if I win and you lose, Hmm. right? Yeah, that's interesting. So researchers then discovered that when fireflies were able to time their pulses with one another, and they did this to the millisecond, it allowed themselves to space themselves apart perfectly, thus eliminating their need to compete. So mm. so they're learning that it helps to be a part of a cluster, space yourself out appropriately, and and then that's going to help all of them be better, right? Mm. So the brighter it shines, the more newcomers join and add to their light. Like the lightning bugs, once we learn to coordinate and collaborate with those around us, we all begin to shine brighter. 
Hmm. right? You become more successful. Why? Because you've helped the lightning bugs to your right and your left be more successful rather than a 3% chance of mating. <laughs> right. It's a an 82% chance. And I have all sorts of jokes, but I you know, I don't I won't share <laughs> those with, yeah, with yeah. HR uh, <laughs> listening. But but biologists now know, right? That that's that that's how it works. You don't um you know, if if we're looking for more leaders to join us, or you don't have enough staff in your operation, or mm-hmm. or your your cluster is struggling, what's the answer to it? What do the lightning bugs teach us? Look outward. Hmm. Start taking care of others. Start focusing on others. And when you live to help others, your people are going to know that you care about them more than you care about yourself. They start to feel safe with you, and you start to glow, and you attract more and more. Yeah, that really is a, just a to me a really t- telling story that t- describes it's an awesome sort of the, analogy. It really is really describes to me the benefit, um, almost the science behind the yeah, cluster. Yeah, very cool. Um, and so I, I guess that goes back to how you mentioned at the beginning: uh, the lone wolf dies, yeah. the pack survives. Insert some wolf uh, house. Yeah, um, this in- oh no, now he's going to. <laughs> <laughs> So, so really, this organization is, will, will fail or succeed based on the health of your clusters. Uh, if someone in an yeah. elevator were to ask you to describe a cluster, I'm assuming you're going to say something more than just, you know, it's a group of operations near each other. So how would you say it? How but that is it? kind of the answer I hear a lot of people say. We just, mm-hmm. you know, have mm-hmm. facilities next to each other and <laughs> we, they operate. Geographically close. There's a lot of principles, and I, I know this will take several podcasts to get mm-hmm. them out, but I, I think my answer to them would be... A cluster is a group of peer operations that feel ownership for each other's results. Yes, hmm. every facility is its own separate legal entity. But they feel that ownership. They they love each other enough to be held to high standards. They, they share best practices with each other. Um, they act as a as a board of directors for mm. each other's operations. Mm. I, I feel I like, like in anything we do, even in your personal life, I feel like you should have your own personal board of directors, right? right? Your right. cluster is your board of directors. They make sure that each partner is being a good steward and taking intelligent risks. And and that word steward, actually in another podcast on, on Trust and Inspire, we're going to spend a lot of time digging into that idea of stewardship leader. Um, and they make sure that each partner is is you know being making the taking the right risks right mm-hmm. that making right. making sure that they're intelligent. But honestly, more than anything else, um, the most functional clusters that I see they're they're like families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the members of the family they feel deep concern for one another. They sacrifice uh, themselves to help their partners succeed. The best clusters I know are families. I, you know, I, I really like that one. And so let's let's dig into a few of those, if you don't mind. Yeah. And, and maybe maybe let's start with the, the one you just said. A, a true cluster is, is really a family. What, is, what does that mean? So I, I often see clusters, you know, there's different principles. And, and I see clusters trying to live those principles. And I see them saying, okay, let's start by having really tough conversations with each other. Mm. But they haven't established those necessary relationships of trust, right? Mm-hmm. So they they jump right to the tough, <laughs> tough conversations. Conversation. You think? I mean, Christopher is is I don't know, say gifted in this. Mm-hmm. Like he's he has a lot of tough conversations with people, 
But if he does that without having a relationship with them, he's so much less effective. Uh, yeah, that makes right. Sense. That makes You've sense. got to establish those relationships that cause people to walk through walls for each other. We we try to be tough and have those tough conversations, but if the person doesn't know that you care about them, hmm. then it's it's gonna it's not going to go well. So take the time one to care about them, okay. and then two. Make sure they know that you care about them. So how do you how do you do that? That's just uh, frequent yeah. love notes yeah, and no. Clayton. You did uh, you know? No, I do not send <laughs> Great job your people out. love notes. Yeah, no. First, look. This goes back to the mangrove forest. Okay. Become obsessed with their happiness and their success. The fireflies weren't thinking about themselves. They started thinking about their neighbor. Okay. Um, I like that. You know, I. Spencer Burton. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring him up here. Okay. I, I have a son that met him once. I think my son was maybe 11 at the time. He's he's 15 now. Okay. Um, and oftentimes he, when I come home from work or, or meetings or travel, my son will say, hey, have you seen Spencer? How is he? <laughs> That's cool. Right? Yeah, no, And so awesome. he, was, he was younger at the time. He's... He just, he's like, I like Spencer. He paid attention to me. That's cool. But he, he, I think my son came to something I was doing with a boot camp that Spencer was at. And mm-hmm. Spencer just went over and talked, paid attention to him. And, you know, I, I'm sure mm-hmm. like anybody listening right now, you can think of people that are good at this and they've made you feel mm-hmm. special. They yeah. stand out because they take an interest in you and they clearly care about your life outside of the job. And mm-hmm. it just, it it makes you feel like okay, I, this person actually cares about about who I am, and, and I think the second step is is making sure you care about your cluster partner's success, like really care about <laughs> right. it. I think anybody anybody listening right now is is going to say, yeah, I mean, I want them to be successful, right. Right. Of course we do. <laughs> no, but do you care about their success? Do you stress about right, it? Right. Are you, uh, you know, we, we we kind of have to deprogram ourselves of trying to beat each other out hmm. all the time. I, you know, I want you to do well, but I'm going to beat you. <laughs> right. And, and, and if and if I'm not doing well, I'm going to make sure um, I'm going to make sure you're, you know, not getting some of my secrets because, no, that's mine. I created that. It's it's that whole thing where where we are comparers, right? I mean, you've heard me in a training say, hey, Joe, you're a great leader. And everybody goes, oh, that's nice. And then I say, but Janet, you're amazing. <laughs> and suddenly Joe's like, well, wait a second. Why? Right. Because that comparison. happened, yeah. And, and that mentality is what sort of prevents us naturally from sharing key information hmm. or being vulnerable about our own failures, right? But if you become obsessed with everyone else's success, this is the Ubuntu concept, mm-hmm. right? You'll be successful. Brag about them. Shine a light on their successes. Learn. This is this is an important one. Learn to ask for help before you offer it, hmm. right? Rather than jumping in and say, hey, you need to fix yeah, this. That's, you need that's to fix a, that. That's a great Ask example. for help. And it, it brings down walls and it, it kind of helps people feel more safe. Yeah, no, that's a, I love that last example, especially. Um, and it, I know for me, it, it certainly is true that when I'm convinced someone cares about me, yeah. it, it really does open the door to have like a truly honest conversation. Um, and we can have it really without my first instinct to, <laughs> to be, be offended. offended yeah. yeah. Trust is established. I, I know they're coming from a place of, of, of love and, and, and caring and, and when and you it's know easier. somebody's concerned about you, like 
you trust them. Yeah, I want to focus on what they're actually saying yeah. instead so of So convince your right. cluster, convince your people that yeah. you're obsessed with their success. So uh, a quick question then on competition. Yeah. Um, we are taught to compete with each other. Yeah. and, and have market been since, economy. Since, yeah, and, and yeah. because of that competition, they, it supposedly brings out the best in us. And Yeah, and, that's and a lot message, of markets so. and clusters are going to say that. Like we use competitions to enhance, right. and that's right. fine. But but you also need to um, – you want to be competing, competing against their best selves. There was a, an mm. Olympian, and mm. I, I can't remember which one it was, but – but she was, I think she was illusionist and and uh, she was helping one of her competitors from another country mentally prepare. And they said, well, why do you do that? Don't you want to beat her? She goes, oh, I want to beat her. I'm super competitive, but I want to beat the best her. I want her to do as well as she possibly can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sort like of that, that mentality. So Stephen Covey uh, Jr.'s, you know, Stephen M. R. Covey, his book, Trust and Inspire, which we're going to do several podcasts on, says that great leaders uh, foster caring over competition. That idea mm-hmm. that that leaders want you to ca- – they, they create an environment where you care about each other more than you want to compete with each other. And – and some people have heard me give that example of the the balloons. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you if you remember what what you do. You you first, a guy was speaking to a group of a hundred individuals and they blew up a hundred balloons. Okay. And he said, "Okay, everybody, put your name on the balloon." And then they all they put all the balloons in one room. And he right. said, "You have five minutes to find your own balloon. Go." <laughs> and it was chaos. Like picture, when, you, when yeah. it wasn't your balloon, you throw it out of the way. You're kicking <laughs> balloons that aren't your balloons because you're just. <laughs> and by five minutes, just a few people had found their balloons. Right. So he says, hmm. "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna try and do this again. This time, what you're gonna do is just grab the first balloon you find." see the name that's on it and find the person (laughs) and bring the balloon to them. Hmm. Within three minutes, everyone had had their own balloon. That's very cool. Why? And and the guy said, what's the lesson here? He said, everyone's looking for their own success, their own achievements, their own happiness. But our success lies in the success of other people. If you are really good at helping others achieve what they want to achieve, like those fireflies, Mm -hmm. you will be very successful. Give them their happiness and you will find yours. So, so that really is the Ubuntu concept yeah. that that we talked about quite a bit, um, especially around our, our annual meeting last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to become convinced that if we look out for others, th- that we will be taken care of. But yeah. but a really common statement I hear is, you know, honestly, my operation's a mess. I'll be a better yeah. cluster partner after I've I been able to turn my operation to around, and, and then I can, you know, then I can be a more effective. Uh, what do you what do you say to them? Yeah. So the the adage or the scripture or principle or whatever you want to call it is is lose yourself and you will find yourself, Mm. right? Ubuntu means I am. Why? Because we are. But I've always sort of thought, I don't quite get how that works out. If I lose myself, I'm going to lose myself. I'm going to lose, (laughs) No, thank you. I I appreciate you saying that. And and that's, you know, the cynic might be listening. Stephen Stephen Covey used to say, Stephen, now now I'm talking about the father. (laughs) I guess I got to clarify. Stephen Covey Sr. used to say, if you need something done, give it to a busy person. I've heard, right? I've heard that. Yeah, You've I've heard, heard that, that phrase, yeah, right? Heard that phrase, so yeah. busy people are sort of forced to organize themselves and do certain things to make it all happen. But but more specifically, so you know, so so if you're making yourself busy by by um, by helping out your cluster mm-hmm. partner, it forces you to organize. But let's get more specific, okay. right? A person who's an active and helpful cluster partner, what are they forced to do? Delegate and grow their team. 
Right. It forces right. them to elevate their team. It forces them to push that out to their it, because because if they're not there to lead, they have to create leaders around them out of necessity. That's interesting. And that in the end benefits them. That par- partner also learns so many new things and gains so much perspective. Why? Because they're seeing so many things in that facility that they're trying to help. Yeah. So many things that if they had realized before, they probably wouldn't spend so much time spinning their wheels. Right. So so you're learning so much by being a cluster partner, and that helps you act so much faster, right? Then you can bring those things back to your own department if you're a department head or, or to your facility if you're the ED. Hmm. But but honestly, of all of those, the, the biggest one for me is you earn the support of those cluster partners. You You develop relationships with people. Because you're there for them, they want to see you succeed. You you create relationships with people where they want to walk through walls for you. Yeah, that and that that really does help kind of complete the the equation I had um, in in my mind about it. I, I start to see why really losing yourself in yeah. the cluster can actually benefit now, you. Now, why A plus B equals right, C? Right, exactly. So right. go 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 back to your list um, if you don't mind, and we'll say yeah. um, you, you said a cluster partner. Make sure that you're being a good steward uh, and in taking intelligent risks. Um, what, what did you mean? And I know we're going to talk more in depth steward, on steward. Yeah, what did you mean by so that? Let's, let's talk now, about yeah. that here a little bit. As, as a leader, you are a steward. Okay. The entire concept of, you know, you see commercials, be your own boss. Mm-hmm. That's a bunch of baloney. <laughs> you're never your own boss. It's just, it's really not ever true. We're accountable to so many people, whether it be banks or employees or right. You know, community. When when I left Ensign for a period of time, I I was trying to start what was going to be an East Coast affiliate, and we raised thirty million dollars. I think it was from uh, Morgan Stanley, but I, I can't quite remember. Okay. And every month, I, so in order to get that thirty million dollars, I created a spreadsheet, and line by line, I told them this is what we're going to do. And mm-hmm. every month, we went line by line with the people whose money I was playing with, right. and I said. Uh, okay, we didn't quite hit this. Okay, what are you doing about it? I, w- I was a steward for their funds. Right, right. And, and I was accountable to them. And really, this is who we should be as cluster partners to each other, line by line. Yeah. You committed to this. You, I, I don't expect you to be perfect on your commitment. Things are not – there's right, always going right. to be things that happen. What are you doing about it? How are you fixing this? And and that that stewardship is is that's what you're doing to make sure that they're taking intelligent risks. You said this would happen. How are you countering this? People people get so excited about our model, and they word they use the word autonomy incorrectly. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's mm-hmm. really autonomous. Right. Right. We're, we're, that's we're just not. not. We are all interdependent. Yes, separate legal entities, but we always should use each other as a board of directors to bounce ideas off each other. Um. I get leaders so hung up on, well, I can do what I want, so and I don't need approval. Right. But if you do, you're morons. Like if, <laughs> if you're not looking for other people's perspectives, <laughs> right. if you're not right. looking for people to poke holes, we should be looking for people who see things from other angles. Help me see what I can't see or what I don't see. Mm. That should be what we're constantly saying to each other. That's what you should be saying to your cluster partners. That's what you should be saying to your resources. Right, the last podcast with with uh, Barry was just on that. That field orchestrated doesn't mean you just tell them what to do. You need to be looking for their input and debating them and asking for that debate. 
Um, I, that's to me intelligent risks, right? Means we're asking everyone and their dog, <laughs> you know, what they think about decisions we make. Even, and I like this concept of harvesting dissension. I, I love, I love that phrase, harvesting dissension. Really, you're just yeah. looking for it. You're pushing for <laughs> it. Right. You're Disagree pushing for it. with me. Tell me where the seeds I, what I don't see. Nurturing it. Yeah. No, I really like that. That's great. Um, I like the concept of stewardship as well. Um, yeah. We really are accountable to so many different people, um, as our jobs do affect so many other people, um, yeah. inside and outside the organization. And so that really- Your employees, yeah, their families, yeah. the residents, their families, we're stewards to all of them. And, and, and that sort of runs into the next one that I wanted you to touch on, um, which is that you serve as a board of directors for each other, uh, sharing best practices. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I mentioned this earlier, the advice, mm-hmm. Just if you get nothing out of this podcast, learn to ask for help before you offer it. I, I, that's a great like. It's sounds like it should be a new nugget. golden rule. Like that's a great. That's yeah, a great just rule. just <laughs> yeah. hey, can you help me with this? And yeah. can you? I just I feel like people that are good at that, um, they're, they're able to offer help so much more easily. Find the good in your cluster partners. See, see what they're doing and what they're not, uh, and what you you know that what they're doing that you're not doing, right, right? Right. And then give them genuine opportunities to teach you. Don't patronize them. Hey, can you help me with? And like, <laughs> they have stuff they can help you with. So find those things. Then once that's happened, then help where you see that you can. Um. Hmm. In, in fact. I'd I'd say even to go one step further, don't just ask for help uh, where you see them succeeding. I would say shine a light for others to see. Mm. Cluster partners need to be better at saying, hey, I need to point Mm. out what they're doing over here, and it's awesome. And I want to share. Sometimes people have a hard time sharing their own successes because they want to be humble, and that's a good goal, and all of those things. And so it's hard. They feel like they're bragging. That means it's your job as cluster partners to share, you know, these great things that are happening. And when you do that genuinely, like walls are taken down and they're so much more receptive to the help that you're you're offering. Why? Because you've you've already pointed out, you've already wrapped them in psychological safety by pointing out these great things that you see that they're doing. Oh, that's awesome. More just great advice and steps to take. Um, and, and you know, I know I sometimes see like shout out walls and yeah, facilities. Yeah, have you seen those in yeah. facilities where like, hey, Joe is so great. I it, love this CNA. It, ex- yeah. Exactly. Uh, and really, um, I love when I see the same mentality in a cluster or market yeah. um, where, where, like you just said, leaders are calling attention to great things that other leaders are doing. Not not competition, really, but caring. Yes. Um, and so let's combine the last two. Uh, love one another enough to hold each other accountable to hide standards and feel ownership f- for the results of each other. Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what do you want to touch on with those? So let's think about it this way. When you really love someone, so so picture someone that you really love. You're probably yeah, picturing me. How did you like, immediately um, knew? Yeah, no, I know. Um, when you really care about them, do you lower your accountability to them or do you increase it? Hmm. I I feel like... I mean, I've had a lot of people, a lot of leaders that have said, well, my staff are kind of holding me hostage. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't hold them accountable. And, but I just, I feel like accountability is the way that we show our love for each other. One of our market leaders said that, uh, you know, she said this a couple of years ago. She said, leaders today are too afraid of high expectations. We're, we're so afraid of failure that we lower our expectations to coddle people. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a, that's a very insightful. Yeah. But my best example, I mean, I, I, with my kids, like 
I want them, someone that I have absolute love for, that I would die for, I want them to be better than I ever was. That's just a common feeling that a parent has because they love them so much. Those are the feelings I should have towards my cluster partners, (laughs) towards my people. I set high expectations, like going back to my kids, and we have real accountability discussions. This is this is how we need to be as partners. I, I feel too often that we really just focus on our own operations. Right. That's that's what I'm, you know, this is what I need to do. And then we tell our cluster partners, hey, if there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. Right? And we're kind <laughs> of consulting. We offer right, advice here right. and there like a consultant, but mm-hmm. none of us none of us truly play with a live grenade with each other. It's playing with the live grenade. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that? I mean, right. That's the story. I've repeated it a lot. It's the story of the platoon that Mm -hmm. does this drill where they're all trying to leave a room. They throw in a fake grenade Mm -hmm. and they try and leave a room as quickly as they can all together. Right. Right. And, and they got it down to a time where they said, there's nowhere we're going to, no way we're going to beat this time. So the platoon commander says, (laughs) okay, let's, Let's throw stop, in a live let's grenade. stop playing with the fake grenades. Yeah. yeah. Now, and I don't know what happened there. All I know is they cut their time in half. <laughs> right? But but I mean, we picture just like cartoons, like right, right. and then everybody running right. and scrambling. But there's I bet people were more vocal yeah. in their debates. Yeah. I bet people that had been silent in the past were now speaking. <laughs> I up. agree. Your life's I on bet the line. People I bet that you didn't you're, think should be on the platoon were probably saying we need to get you out of this platoon because you're gonna kill <laughs> you're people. Gonna, I agree. That's and, a great and point. All of those things happen, but far too many of us play uh you know we far we we don't play i should say we play with a live grenade in our own facilities Mm -hmm. Hmm. but we're not playing with a live grenade in each in our cluster partners facilities does that make sense yeah no that does we're more we're we're playing consultants yeah um i you know i guess an example i can use spencer burton had told me this he was once part of a cluster that agreed we all make bhag as a cluster or nobody makes BHAG. <laughs> so everybody goes on the trip, or nobody goes that's, on the trip. That's live grenade. That's great. And think I like about that. Wow. how the conversation... Wow. Now, I, I think the end of the story is one person missed it, wow. and none of them were able to go. But he did say the conversations became so much more real. People <laughs> weren't imagine. holding things wow. back because now everybody's vested in the decision, right? This is what, it's what Morgan Stanley did with me. Yeah. I... I I could share all these brutal facts and I could say, but, but they didn't allow me to get away with excuses. Right. Yeah. Right. Did did you know good there? Um, uh, Clay, this has been great and really so far helping to clarify what the cluster really should be. Um, And I know that we just getting started here and have a lot more to talk about. There is, but um, let's go ahead and maybe cut, cut this for, for today. um, And we'll pick up on a second. We'll end on playing with a live grenade. We'll end on playing with a live grenade. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.